back, everybody. We're on episode 10. Today, we're going to be talking about enlisted evaluations. Uh, and I got a comment when I first announced the topic on uh, social media about, oh, a training on uh, evaluations, really? And it's like, I get those just tongue in cheek. And, and it's not training in the classic sense. We're not, I'm not doing a, a verbal version of a PowerPoint slide on how to fill out blocks and signature blocks and so on and so forth on the evaluation. But I am going to talk about uh, what it is and why it's so important. And it's something that we get wrong and there's too much ignorance about based on just not getting in the reference and not understanding the process and taking the time to master it. So it's a really, really important concept Navy-wide and that's why it's something that I wanted to talk about. First, I want to talk about the Ask D-Gut segment. Uh, I'm going to keep plugging that and keep plugging it until I get questions on a consistent basis. So uh, if you got any questions you want us to address on the show or you just have questions in general, you want us to uh, answer those questions for you personally, hit us up on Facebook via Facebook Messenger or send us an email at don'tgiveuptheshippodcast at gmail.com uh, and we'll take care of you with that. And then I'm going to wrap up that real quick so that I can jump into this history segment because I got a lot to say about this person. One of the th- reasons I picked this person was because they were instrumental in revising the evaluation system to something very similar to what we know now. But also just because he's my favorite McPond. And so uh, McPond Robert Bob Walker, who's McPond number three. And I'll get into his bio, but he's somebody that uh, I'm reading his book right now. And I'll I'll touch on that at the end. But uh, it's somebody that ever since I started learning about him, it's become kind of a role model for me and somebody that I look up to in in what he was doing as McPond and how he went about doing it. So I'll read you his bio now. And he enlisted in the United States Navy in 1948. Uh, Master Chief Walker received his recruit training at Naval Training Center, Great Lakes, Illinois, where he was cited as company honorman. He then attended Raiderman A School in Boston, Massachusetts, and was assigned to the destroyer USS McKean, DD-784. Having advanced to Raiderman First Class in only two years, Walker then served two tours aboard the destroyer escorts USS William Cyverling, destroyer escort 441, and the USS Urban DD-631. While aboard the Urban, he deployed to the Western Pacific in support of the Korean War. In October 1955, Walker reported to Norfolk, Virginia as an instructor at Raiderman A School. In June 1956, after just eight years of active service, he was promoted to Chief Petty Officer, which was at the time the highest enlisted rank in the Navy. Following advanced schooling in Raiderman B School at Treasure Island in San Diego, Walker was assigned to the USS Guardian AGR-1, homeported in Davisville, Rhode Island, and the Guardian was converted into a World War II Liberty ship being used for Raider surveillance. During this tour, Walker was advanced to the newly created rank of Senior Chief Petty Officer in 1961, and at the relatively young age of just 34, he reached the pinnacle of the enlisted ranks and was promoted to Master Chief on November 16, 1963. Walker began his second tour of shore duty in 1964 as the director of training at Raiderman A School in Great Lakes, Illinois. Three years later, he reported aboard the destroyer USS Harlan R. Dixon DD-708 at Newport, Rhode Island, where he was assigned various command duties, including senior enlisted advisor and leading chief for combat systems training at the Fleet Combat Direction Systems Training Center in Damneck, Virginia. In July 1972, Master Chief Walker reported aboard the aircraft carrier USS John F. Kennedy CV-67. 
He acted as the leading chief of the Kennedy's operations department and later as master chief petty officer of the command. In October 1972, the Raiderman rating was changed to operations specialists and RDCM Walker automatically converted to OSCM at that time. In November 1974, Master Chief Walker was selected to serve as Master Chief Petty Officer of the Force, Naval Air Force, U.S. Atlantic Fleet. On September 26, 1975, Master Chief Walker was sworn in as the third Master Chief Petty Officer of the Navy. Walker was much more conservative and traditional as McPon than his predecessor, John Wittett. During his term, Walker often ruffled feathers by identifying directors of Navy programs who were, were not serving the best interests of the Navy, such as a director of the Board of Corrections and Naval Records and a commander in Pearl Harbor who was separating sailors for being overweight, even though he himself was obese, and saw to their quick removal. He was instrumental in creating the Navy's Senior Enlisted Academy, from which virtually all subsequent MCPONs were graduates. He also brought about the Enlisted Surface Warfare Specialist Program, or the ESWASPIN, to add the same professionalism and thorough platform knowledge within the surface community that had been present for decades in the submarine community. He fought for increases in sea pay, improvements in off-duty education opportunities, consolidation of the three-form system of enlisted evaluation reports into a uniform format, and a return to the traditional Cracker Jacks phased out by Admiral Zumwalt. Personnel records were moved to Microfish Vice Paper to streamline archival storage and retrieval, and they've since been completely computerized, which we all know. Uh, many of these would not take effect until after Walker's MCPON tour ended, but he was a driving force behind their implementation. And like I said earlier, uh, his book is called Three Stars and a Crow, and I'm reading it right now. Uh, it's a really great book if you're at all interested in its kind of the viewpoint and even the tone of the book and the way that, that Walker wrote it. It's really kind of like a sailor speaking sailor's language. It's really great, uh, and it, it, it's a pretty short book, so I highly recommend checking it out if you're at all interested in learning a little bit more about McPon Walker uh, and what he did to improve the Navy and, and keeping in mind that during this time uh, in the like late 60s, he was in a Navy that was very different. He was in a Navy where you know drug use was rampant, uh, and then when he got into the McPon's position in the 70, early 70s, uh, he was fighting against that kind of a culture in the Navy and trying to fix a lot of discipline issues um, without going the rocks and shoals approach uh, of discipline. And the book is a very interesting read and learning about McPon Walker and the immense change he affected in the Navy is, is pretty interesting. Uh, so I highly recommend checking out the book. I'll put a link uh, on the website in the history section to the book itself and then also uh, his bio. And so now I'm going to get into the topic, all right, enlisted evaluations, like I said before. So they're the primary resource for communication to selection boards on whether or not a sailor is ready for selection to whatever program or rank the board is considering, right? Because it's not just selection boards for rank. We're talking about officer session boards, you know, chief warrant officer, limited duty officer, you know, LDO, or we're talking about like state 21, all, all OCS, all that stuff, right? There's a million different types of selection boards for all kinds of different reasons. And evals are considered at every single one of them. So junior sailors need to understand how the system works in real life, not based on misinformation or tribal knowledge, in order to best leverage the system to advance their careers and to properly document the performance of the sailors that work for them. 
and, and this is like a radioactive topic. It got a lot of interesting comments when I first said that, th- that this was a topic that I was going to do. And that's why I wanted to address it. So there's wildly varying perspectives on the illicit evaluation system. Like many junior sailors view the system as a popularity contest and as a mechanism for the man to stick it to them uh, or as a document intended to make them feel good about themselves. And so that's how it should be written. Uh, and, and it's none of these things. We're going to talk about the system's intent how to use it properly, and to take the misconceptions on the system and discuss why they exist and why when the system is used the way it's intended to be, that these misconceptions are just that. They're inaccurate interpretations of what's happening. And so I'm going to start kind of at the beginning and build a foundation, right? Um, the Navy's enlisted evaluation system, and, and I'm talking E1 and E6, it's governed by Buper's instruction 1610.10 Delta currently, but it's the series, right? That's the most current version. I believe it was sent out in 2015. The Navy Performance Evaluation System. If you have not read this and you're openly criticizing the system, stop it. Stop it. You have no idea what you're talking about, so just stop doing it. Take the time required to be informed. The stuff isn't a secret. And it's not hiding, okay? I'm going to put links to the instruction as well uh, in the show notes and on the page. But it will greatly benefit you and your sailors to read and understand this manual, right? And if you if you have questions, ask. Ask a chief. Ask your personnel people. Go up to the office and talk to your YNs and PSs. They would be happy to help and clear these things up for you. Because the more you understand, the less they got to fix, okay? So ask those people questions. Those are your, some of your resources. And so... After digesting that instruction, and it's big and it's boring and it's dry reading, but it's required reading. And and it to a certain extent, it's a reference, so I don't expect you to read and memorize the whole thing. But take the time to go through that thing, digest and, and understand the big parts, and ask questions about it so that you understand it because that's going to help you build upon your foundation so that you can understand the intent of this program. And you will hear chiefs say this over and over again, is that the intent of the system is to communicate to a selection board. Period. That's it. The intent of the system is to communicate to a selection board. All right. This is not a pat on the head to make you feel better about yourself. The two counseling sessions, which I'm talking about midterm counseling and then the mid debrief or the counseling that you get when you're signing this report through your regular eval are intended to accurately evaluate your performance, all right? But that counseling session is where I'm going to tell you whether you're doing good or whether you're doing bad, right? I'm going to I'm either going to give you that pat on the head or not. I'm going to give you that kick in the butt, right? But the report itself is communication to the selection board. So, it's not to make you feel great. It's to accurately evaluate your performance and communicate that to a selection board. All right? This is important for both parties because this is what we're screwing up. Like leaders are afraid to tell uh, like sailors when they're when they're doing this process when you're not meeting the standard and it's like I get it confrontation's hard it's uncomfortable but it's the responsibility of leadership to tell them where they stand to tell their sailors where they stand and not present them with this candy coated version of some alternate reality like something that's not even happening all right your, your job's not to pump them up just to pump them up all right it's to accurately evaluate their performance and they need to know where they stand so that they can grow, all right? Accountability is not a dirty word. It's a necessary leadership tool, and they're gonna thank you for holding them to the standard and holding them accountable later in life when they realize that the catalyst for their progression was you, was you holding them accountable, was you holding them to that standard and making you get 
up to where your bar was. On, on the opposite side of that, for the sailors being debriefed and being evaluated, be willing to accept the criticism. Just because it's hard to hear doesn't make it wrong. You should be seeking this. You should be hungry to hear this type of feedback. This is how you grow. Like every chance I get, I'm looking for someone to evaluate what I'm doing and and give me like a no nonsense evaluation what I'm doing and is it working? Can I do it better? Is there something that you could add to make this process better that I haven't thought of yet? Like trying to just bounce stuff off people, get sounding boards, get any kind of feedback that I can to make it better. You should be hungry for that type of information. You should be constantly seeking it. And how important this is, it's like, I don't I don't give a damn if you're writing an evaluation for an E1, okay? It is the single most important piece of paper you'll ever write for a sailor. Even in that moment, even when you're sitting there talking to an E1, it's a very first evaluation. Like I took the time with my career counselor and he was the one pressing this and the the young lady was extremely passionate about the program, but we had an A school student who was asking, hey chief, can I go submarines? And I was like, actually you can, there's the enlisted women on submarines program. And in her position that she could apply even then. I called the called the enlisted community manager and asked the question and they're like, yeah, I mean, you can send it in. It's going to be a tough sell because she's brand new to the Navy, doesn't have any quals, doesn't have anything on her evaluations, anything else, right? Uh, so they said because she didn't have an evaluation, it would make sense to write her one. Kind of hard to do on a, on a five-week A school. We, I mean, how much performance is there to evaluate? But we did it. We took the time, me and my career counselor, we, I sat him down and we went through this process and we put our application together and created this 1306, wrote a letter of recommendation and wrote this eval. Okay, took the time to write this eval and it wasn't inflated. It was a promotable eval that reflected her performance in her A school class. But I took it very seriously when I was writing it. And it's like, what am I? I mean, it was three weeks of performance and then gave it to the site director to sign off on. And she didn't get selected this time around, but the feedback that we got from that ECM can feed into her next one. The first one sets her up for for her interest in the program and that she's passionate about it. And when they see the huge leap she's taken, which she's already got her ESWAS pin and she's working towards her air warfare pin and she's doing all kinds of other stuff. Her performance is going to reflect very positively on that next eval. And God willing, someone takes that seriously and she gets selected for this program. So you can see how it's important as early as a session training, right? Like it can it can serve to at the very least motivate her that someone took the time out to do that for her so that she can pursue her goal of being a submariner. But also, when you got sailors on your ship that are applying for these programs, or you got sailors on your ship applying for officer session programs like State 21 or the Naval Academy, when they're E1s, E2s, and E3s, those aren't throwaway evals. You gotta take the time to not lowball these things. Take the time required. If you don't have time, make time. It's too important. Find the time to write it. Find time to learn how to write it. Utilize all the resources that there are out there, and they are plentiful. Ask the chief. This is far too important of a thing not to be great at, all right? So when you accomplish that, immediately commence training your charges. Show them how to take care of their sailors in the way that you did them, all right? This is done wrong far too often to not take the time and effort to train the next generation once you have a very firm grasp on it. I want to now talk about the part that I feel like we talk about the most, which is when this goes terribly wrong. And the first thing I'm going to address is favoritism, okay? Perceived or real, we're going to talk about favoritism. We've all been in a position where we point at the assignment of promotion ratings specifically, 
uh, EPs, MPs, like rankings, one of however many or whatever. Uh, and we throw our hands up based on what happened. And we say, like, this is just a popularity contest. It doesn't matter what I do. They're just going to give the EP to whoever they want to give it to because, it, you know, they're the popular one or they're the favorite. Here's the thing. It happens, all right, just like everything we talk about, right? But there's bad leaders out there. There's every stereotype uh, that's born is an interpretation of reality. Like, I get it. And like we always say, there's going to be somebody that is is perpetuating this stereotype out there, bad leaders who play favorites. But you also need to understand that by and large, the favoritism is perceived. You're perceiving favoritism from leaders that are accurately evaluating performance because you don't have the same perspective as them. Okay, and I'm not saying favoritism doesn't happen. All right, I said I just said that, so don't freak out. It does happen, but it's rare. I'm telling you that from your perspective, the vast majority of the time, you're perceiving it because of that perspective. They are actually accurately evaluating their performance. And so sometimes you're making excuses for your substandard performance. Be honest with yourself. Like, be open to the criticism so you can be better. Like, it's okay to miss the mark as long as you learn from it. And I'm not saying everyone is performing at a sub-standard level or somebody that doesn't get the eval that they think is fair is performing at a sub-standard level. This is where it almost like you kind of loop back to that evaluation instruction because, like, I sat a guy down recently and he signed a promotable eval and he was sailor of the year at his previous command. Why do you think he might have signed that promotable eval? Was it because he was a, a, a promotable, quote-unquote, sailor? Because that's the stigma that gets attached to that promotion rating? No. The kid had only been there for four months, right? And I and I had to, like, decrypt that for him, that you're not a bad guy because you got a promotable eval. You've only been on board the command for four months, so I can't give you an EP eval for a four-month period. You haven't been on board for an entire evaluation period. So how am I going to rank you against somebody that has been here performing at a higher level than you have for 12 months? He, the guy hasn't been on board long enough to do significant enough things and make significant contributions in order to compete with those people. So read this book and understand the process. The things that have gotten the stigma attached to them based on Sailor's interpretation of the instruction or interpretation of the system, even though they haven't even taken the time to read the instruction is why this is a problem for junior sailors, is why that when they sit down and sign a promotal eval when it's their first eval ever or their first eval ever in that pay grade where they're like competing with that peer group or their first ever eval at a command, they don't understand why they're signing a promotable eval or why maybe they're not an EP yet. The system works the way the system works. You may not agree with it, but it makes sense if you take the time to read that book. The next kind of stereotype I want to talk about is, and, and I've touched on it already a little bit, is the feel-good eval, right? As we talked about earlier, evals are for the board. They're not for you. They are for the selection board. We commend you through verbal praise, pats on the back, high fives, whatever, through awards, like formal awards, like Navy Achievement Medals, flag letters, so on. And during counseling sessions, during the counseling sessions that we sit you down formally, like the midterm and the and debriefing the eval, and also just mentoring. We have all these mechanisms to take care of you in that way that this piece of paper is to communicate to the boards that you are ready or not to be selected for that program. For officer programs and next pay grade, whatever we're talking about. And too often, sailors are beating themselves up because Block 43 doesn't say what they think it should say. It doesn't say what makes you feel good. That's not what it's for, all right? Trust that your superiors are including in Block 43 and the rest of the eval what the board is looking for to select you, 
right? That's our responsibility. And if you're curious as what that is, do the research. Start with the Nav Admin, work your way through the Milpers Man article, uh, the Navy Advancement Manual, the precepts for whatever board we're talking about here. Do that research, find out what the board's looking for because I've done that research. So if I'm writing Block 43, don't you think I might be looking out for you and don't you think I might have a little more knowledge and perspective on that than you do? Like, trust me, I'm taking care of you and so is your chief. So realize that we're trying to communicate to the board what they want to hear, you know, assuming it's accurate and we're accurately evaluating performance, I'm communicating to them what they need to see so that you'll get selected for what you want to get selected for, not necessarily what you want to hear to make yourself feel good about your performance. And they're two very different things sometimes. And if you don't understand that, ask the questions, okay? The last part, and again, we've touched on this just a little bit, is throwaway evals. There is no such thing as an unimportant evaluation. An E1 can apply for officer session programs, for to enlisted women on submarines, etc. An E6 that's retiring or an E5 that is separating may be showing that evaluation that you're lowballing to their next employer or using it to write a resume, right? Or they may decide to stay in the Navy, okay? Somebody that's separating, and we've all seen it, five seconds before it's time to go home changes their mind. And if you wrote a crap eval, be, oh, well, because they're getting out, so don't worry about them, then you just screwed that sailor. Like, take the time to document their performance and do it accurately. You'll regret lowballing this process at some point when you thought the circumstance didn't warrant the same effort and as a result, it adversely affects the people you're charged with leading. So take the time to do this the right way, okay? It is too important to screw up. The last main point I wanna hit is the resources. The resources that are available to you to do what I've been barking at you to do for the last 20, so, 20 or so minutes, okay? Uh, the first resource I'm going to point you to after, of course, the instruction, right? The Beaver's instruction I talked about at the beginning is the chief. All right. Go find a chief. Find a chief or or first class petty officer, a seasoned first class that has the experience and is willing to teach you. Go find one of them. Find a chief or a salty first class with lots of eval writing experience that can take the time and is willing to teach you how to do this. All right. It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be that hard. It should not be that hard to find this person. And when you feel confident that that person has taught you everything that they can about writing evaluations, find another one, all right? There's always something new to learn. I'm still learning things. I'm still learning little tricks. I just signed an eval, especially eval recently, to evaluate my performance being the senior enlisted leader here at this A school. And it got sent to the senior chief board, so I'm crossing my fingers. But I learned something from my CMC about some breakouts and some clever ways to write breakouts or phrases that will make you know my eval jump out to the board. So I'm still learning. You should still be learning, okay? Websites, books, etc. right? There's a Navy or Marine Corps performance writing guide, the Navy evaluation writing guide, navywriter.com. Check that out, okay? There are a ton of resources out there that can set you up for success. So in addition to the eval manual, look into these take advantage of these resources that are out there. I bet you there's a YouTube video somewhere, some kind of other resource, this podcast, right? They're out there. There are people making the effort to get this information out to you and it's out there. So take advantage of it. If you haven't digested those books, then you're not trying hard enough. And experience, okay? So just like to sitting down with that chief and learning, take the time to practice. Ask to help, right? When it's eval writing time, talk to your LPO about sitting down with him when he's writing the E1, E2, E3, E4 evals, okay? 
just to learn, just to understand the process, put yourself in a position to write as many evals as you can to get the experience doing so, okay? Like anything, the more you do it, the better you're gonna be at it, all right? It's that simple. So take the time to practice. It is conclusion time, all right? I think I've rambled about this enough. The main reference you need to review to learn this process right is the Enlisted Evaluation Manual. Check that out. Take the time to go through that manual and then ask questions. And always start with the master reference. Like for any program, for anything that we're talking about, one of the other ones that I may get into a podcast about is like Chiefs packages, right? The letter to the board process. There's all kinds of tribal knowledge that bounces around when there's books that literally break this down with Crayola crayons and show you how to do it. And they point to the answers to all these questions that I feel like everybody has and they think that the answer is being hidden from them. You're not looking hard enough. Go get in those references and read them, okay? They're always out there. So with any program or anything that you wanna do in the Navy, look for the reference first and read that master reference first. Then start asking your questions because a lot of your questions will be answered inside that reference. We talked about what the intent of the process actually is, right? It's communication to the selection board, not something to make you feel warm and fuzzy. And then some of the misconceptions associated with enlisted evaluations, right? It's, it's not a popularity contest. It can be perceived to be. And sometimes when you get into poor leadership, it degenerates into something similar to that where you're not getting your just due. And I'm going to touch on that in a second, right? Uh, and then some of the other misconceptions we addressed, right? Junior sailors need to understand how this system works, really how it works, not based on this tribal knowledge that's passed down from one sailor to another, and most of which is, is skewed or made up uh, so that they can take advantage of the system for their own benefit and progression and then for the benefit of the sailors that they lead. I cannot stress enough how important this is. I really can. And, and I mean, you could go find any one of my first classes and they will just be like, oh God, he's talking about it again. You know, and it's like, I, I just, I really can't get enough of talking about how enlisted evaluations can make or break so many critical points of a junior and senior sailor's career. Okay, like it can profoundly affect their lives, not just their careers, because their careers are a large part of their lives. Uh, when you know this, like, how could you not take the time to read this manual? How could you not take the time to get good at this? Like, to go out of your way and to take time to learn how to take care of your sailors by leveraging an imperfect system, and, and I got it, it's imperfect, to your and their advantage. Like, you can leverage this flawed system to, to your and their advantage so that they can be the best taken care of, and so can you. And, and I'm not saying it's ideal, but it's a system that is in place. So the metrics you're evaluated on, they are what they are. They're not a moving target. Take the time to read your eval. Go line by line. Read the blocks and the bullets in each trait average block. Okay, like each block has the, the kind of title of the block, and then there's bullets that are little metrics for each one of those blocks. That's what the Navy's looking for be that all right take the time to put the work in and be the sailor that they're looking for and when you're in the positions where poor leadership is playing the popularity contest game when you're doing it all the right way and you're doing exactly what the navy's looking for and you're hitting all those wickets without being arrogant and just conceited and petty about it 
you're undeniable. Like you become undeniable where it's like they can't not give you that EP that you're working so hard for because you've been undeniable. And a lot of times this poor leader that is playing this game is one in a chain of command that that eval goes through so when you're undeniable that leader is not the only leader that is going to understand that you're undeniably the ep for that division department work center or whatever okay for that peer group when you do that like even in that position you can force their hand so be undeniable and there's no way around giving you your just due around ranking you number one or whatever it takes. And it takes hard work to get there. It's not going to happen because you're a legend in your own mind and you think you're the greatest thing ever. Okay. It will happen if you earn it. So go do that. Don't ever rationalize your way through this like garbage excuses. Like you do have control over this process, regardless of the situation you're in. Exercise it and go get what you say you want because you do deserve it. So go do that. Go earn every inch of what you think you deserve because you do. Leverage this system, do the research, be informed, and prepare yourself, and you're gonna go far, and you're gonna do all the great things that you came here to do, regardless of if you're in a bad situation. If you have questions about this, reach out to me. I I got absolutely no problem going line by line through the eval with you, answering any questions you have, explaining something that you see in the eval manual, whatever it is. Take the time to reach out to us. Hit us up on Facebook Messenger or send us an email at don't give up the shit podcast at gmail.com and we will rapidly get back to you. And then assuming it like it probably always will be, uh, if it's an issue that we can get on the air to help out other junior sailors, we will absolutely do that. Thank you guys so much for listening. This one was something that gets me excited. I'm sure I was probably a little louder and uh, maybe even a little obnoxious uh, as I went through this. But it's just something that is so incredibly important that you can't lowball this. And it's something that I feel like we get wrong far too often. And I see it even at my level where there's just this ignorance to how the system works. And there's this complete lack of experience in doing it correctly and there's a lack of thirst for knowledge because i think that people view it a lot of times as a paperwork drill and it's not it is the single most important piece of paperwork that you do on a sailor generally i mean i'm sure there's circumstances where some other piece of paper becomes more important but you get where i'm going with this uh it's too important not to get right so get it right If you ever need anything from us, hit us up. I'm going to wrap this up. Thank you guys so much for listening. Keep doing what you're doing out there, and don't give up the shit.